Good morning. Over the centuries, uh, the church has gathered from time to time to write what we call the creeds, uh, ways of just keeping us uh, focused on what the basics are, uh, focused on what the core of what we're about, uh, sometimes to bring us back to the center, uh, which I think we do every Sunday morning. But I thought we would uh, share one of those, uh, a statement of faith of the Korean Methodist Church. Uh, do we have that for the screen? All right. Okay, let's stand and say this together. We believe in the one God, creator and sustainer of all things, father of all nations, the source of all goodness and beauty, all truth and love. We believe in Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, our teacher, example, and redeemer, the savior of the world. We believe in the Holy Spirit, God present with us for guidance, for comfort, and for strength. We believe in the forgiveness of sins, in the life of love and prayer, and in grace equal to every need. We believe in the Word of God contained in the Old and New Testaments as a sufficient rule both of faith and of practice. We believe in the church, those who are united in the living Lord, for the purpose of worship and service. We believe in the reign of God as a divine will realized in human society and in the family of God where we are all brothers and sisters. We believe in the final triumph of righteousness and in life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it's good to see everyone this morning. I uh, just want to share some prayer needs and celebrations. Uh, of course, we want to uh, be in prayer for rain. Uh, scripture says it rains on the good and the wicked, and maybe we need to just pray that one, right? <laughs> God forgive us, we still need rain, right? Uh, good to have Monty here. Linda Jean had surgery a few weeks ago, and got a really good result and a really good report back and so we praise God for that. Uh, good to see the Lorettes here after being homebound for about two weeks basically and um, Joel and Chandler and some of their youth are off on a mystery trip this weekend. Um, we laughed that Joel who swore he wasn't going to tell anybody where they were going, left the whole itinerary on the copier last week. So, if you've, uh, if you've got a secret, don't share it with Joel, okay? And speaking of Joel, uh, you regulars know that Joel usually shares a joke when he's doing announcements for this service. Um, we have a computer software program called Planning Center, and it's kind of the production notes, if you will, uh, for worship. And I reminded Jackie that for her job, it said she's supposed to say hello, welcome, announcements, and tell a joke. And she said she didn't know any jokes. So during the children's sermon, I googled associate pastor jokes. <laughs> And there are none. <laughs> a 
Apparently it's not funny being an associate pastor. <sighs> Goodness, okay. A couple of years ago, I had a, someone asked me if I was thinking about retiring, and this was when COVID was kind of in its fullness among us, and I said, well, I, I feel like I've, God's put me on this wave, and I need to ride this wave. Uh, anything less would be unfaithful. Um, and so the same person reminded me of that the other day, and I said, well, now it just feels like God gives me a new wave every six months. <laughs> the world, right? It's good to laugh. It's good to be together. It's also uh, a lot of hard things going on in our world. As you know, the Supreme Court made a momentous decision this week regarding abortion. And I would suggest to you, and I'm sure you already get this, that if you think the matter is settled and the debate is over, think again. Uh, no doubt there are those in this very room whose opinions on this subject range the whole spectrum. Uh, no doubt there are people in your family or friends that you love and treasure and have perhaps a very different opinion than you do on this subject. And so I think because of that, the issue still requires our prayers, our thoughtful dialogue, and above all, our respect for one another, even if we disagree. Jesus didn't say agree with one another, but he did say love one another. Jesus didn't say agree with with your enemies or fight your enemies. He just said, love your enemies, for God loves them too. And as I've said countless times, we're still all in this together. That's what it means to be the church. As you can imagine, I tend to think through most major issues from a pastoral point of view. And because of that, I think that is why some of the labels and the language used in some of these debates seem at best inadequate to me. For example, the phrase pro-choice. Uh, years ago, I read an article written by someone who worked in an abortion clinic, and she said that most women that walked in the door talked about how they felt like they had no choice, that they felt trapped and forced. Now, please understand, I'm not saying that justifies abortion. I'm not saying that maybe they didn't have some choices. They just didn't know. On the other hand, I think of that phrase pro-life. And I think about how Jesus talks about life, not simply in just biological terms. I've come to give life, he says. I've come to give abundant life. And obviously, he's not talking about just blood flow and oxygen levels. Again, I think of these issues pastorally, and I tend to think about children who might be unwanted, unloved, uncared for. What kind of life would that be, and what do we do? And again, I'm not suggesting that that would justify abortion either. I'm just throwing out things to think about. I guess I'm just trying to humanize the issue beyond unhelpful black and white stereotypes. Our Christian witness is not to reduce things to simple beliefs, but to love one another, even when we disagree. In the ancient, I was reminded that uh, in the ancient Roman world, where those 
first Christians began to spread out into that it was not uncommon for unwanted children and there were plenty of them pre-modern birth control unwanted children particularly unwanted babies would just be put out in the elements to die and these Christians would go and find these babies and bring them in and raise them as their own which confused and baffled that Roman culture why would you do that they're not your children you're not kin and the Christians basically said oh yes they are they're God's children and we were brothers and sisters and that both confused but then finally attracted the Roman Empire to these crazy Christians that loved everyone I suppose finally what you would think is if they'll love these unwanted children maybe they would even love me I've thought that maybe instead of using that phrase pro-life we Christians should be pro-life support come on I thought that was pretty good <laughs> pro-life support come on if that ever gets popular, I get to trademark on that, okay? <laughs> Pro-life support. You might think that maybe you are unwanted, unloved, uncared for, but not to us, not to Jesus' people. Come, let us support you, encourage you, take care of you, love you. That would be an amazing witness for us, would it not? And not just for children. You know, how many times have I talked with people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s who felt unloved or unwanted as children and they're still struggling with it. And they need to hear some good news that they are wanted, they are loved, they do matter. How can we in this community called Fredericksburg as Christians be a means of pro-life support or witness that it may seem crazy to the outside world, but we love one another no matter what. You might remember several years ago, uh, those little plastic bracelets that said WWJD. Okay, what would Jesus do? At the time, I don't know, I had my nose up in the air, I guess. I thought that was kind of hokey. Uh, but now I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking that might be a pretty good phrase to pull out into our current culture. Huh? What would Jesus do considering some of the issues before us, particular issues relating to violence in our country? What would Jesus do? Maybe WWJS, what would Jesus say? Huh? What would Jesus say on social media? Hello. Huh? WWJND, what would Jesus not do? Hello? Huh? In that debate, what would Jesus not do? I thought of that pertaining to this Psalm 1. Blessed are those who walk, who do not walk in the counsel of the wicked, who do not stand in the road of sinners, who did not sit in the seat of mockers. I love that kind of uh, poetic symmetry. Huh? Do not walk with the wicked. What would wickedness be like? Well, just anything that feels ungodly. Or maybe just truth-telling. Truth-telling. What would Jesus say? 
WWJS about things that people say on social media. What would Jesus not do? Or sit in the seat of mockers? What would Jesus not say? When I was in college, I'd come home for the summer and I worked for a painting contractor to make gas money. I think I'm going to have to get a job once again for a painting contractor to make gas money. Okay? We're back to that. And we got the contract one summer to paint the fellowship hall of the church I grew up in. I loved my church. And one day I was in there painting. I was on a ladder. I had my back to the room. And the ladies of the church came in. And to be fair, I'm sure the men of the church can be just as disparaging. But I think you kind of get that phrase, right? And they came in. And I, I didn't turn around. I don't know that, I don't think they recognized me. My parents were real core leaders in that church. And I think maybe if they had taken a moment and realized who I was, they might have spoken differently. Uh, but they came in, and they did not like that color that the trustees picked out. And you know who really picked out that color was the preacher's wife. And have you been to the parsonage? She doesn't know anything about interior decoration. And then they lit into the pastor, and then they lit into the trustees. And it, 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 it was their witness. And it, it messed with me. It was a stumbling block. It did harm did harm. What would Jesus do or say or not do or not say so that people would not be harmed? What is our witness? This psalm talks about being a tree. Uh, I know something about trees. I grew up in the uh, Brazos River Valley. Uh, my dad had a small pecan orchard and we had live oaks and other things. These were real trees, I'm telling you, okay? And when I was a kid, we would camp in East Texas in the pine forest, real trees, okay? And then the bishop wanted me to move to West Texas, to El Dorado, Texas, which is up on what they call the plateau, as flat as a pancake, and I got out there, and those are not real trees out there, okay? That first year, I mean, I came to love it for what it was, but that first year, there were days I just wanted to get in my truck and just drive east until I got to a real tree, somewhere probably on the other side of the Brazos River, okay? But we did have one really marvelous tree. Uh, between the, the church building and the education building, uh, there was uh, this huge, I think, ash tree of a kind. Uh, it was well watered, it was kind of out of the wind and semi-protected, and it was huge. And my office was on the second floor, and over my desk was a window that looked out on that tree. And I began, I began to appreciate the value of one tree. Out there, one tree can be an entire ecosystem, okay? One tree is where life thrives, one tree is where birds build their nest and raise their young and animals come to it and it produces fruit and shade okay shade is no small thing out there shade 
can be the difference between a decent day and heat stroke. A shade can sometimes be a matter of life and death. And the scripture says you can be like a tree. And I begin to really understand what maybe that might mean. This church that I went to, they'd gone through about a 30-year cycle of pastors that were two years and gone, two years and gone, two years and gone. And maybe they each individually, there were good reasons for it, but as a whole, it really began to take a toll on that congregation. And when you're a, a pastor and you come to a church, no matter what size, it, it takes a good year just to kind of get your feet on the ground, know who's who, know who to stay out of the way of, where the traps are, where the blessings are. I remember coming here, my first year was just this fire hose of information, and I met you, and then saw you in HEB, and did I meet you, and what was your name, and everybody was going down to the Golden Hub, and I didn't know what that was, and maybe was that like Golden Corral? I didn't know. And it's exhausting, and, and then in our system, if you're leaving, you know three or four months ahead of time, and so I figured for every two years, they were getting maybe six months of effective ministry, if that. And usually when you go to a church, you, you sort of seek out those on the fringe that maybe have been neglected, but it was obvious that in that church that the core had been neglected for three decades. And when the district superintendent uh, twisted my arm to go, she said, all that church needs is five years. All that church needs is for you to be there at least five years. She said, I'm not asking you to promise that, but that's your marching orders. That's what they need. And when I got there, I realized she was, she was right. And so one day I uh, was sitting in my office and I was praying and reading scripture and I'm looking at this tree and I'm trying to get a word from the Lord. What? What does that church need and what kind of pastor do they need me to be? And it just sort of intuitively in that mysterious way felt like God was actually speaking a word to me as if I heard God say, this church can be a tree. And I thought, that's it. We're never going to be the crystal cathedral out here, right? We're not going to be the mega church. We're not going to have 2,000 members because that would include every man and child in this whole town. Okay. But we could be a tree. We could provide safety and shelter. We could provide fruitfulness. We, we could be a blessing. A tree is a blessing. And we could be a blessing. Okay, Lord, well, how do we do that? Well, it's right there. But those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on it day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields it fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Meditating on the word of the Lord day and night. You know, really the word, the, the law, the law is not a set of rules so much as it's a guideline for how to live with each other, how to be neighbors, how to be in relationship with one another, that the law of the Lord is about we don't, we don't kill each other, we don't steal from each other, we don't lie to each other, we don't uh, abuse each other's property, uh, 
And if we do sin and you're out of sorts with your neighbor, here's a way to get back in harmony with your neighbor. This is how you live together. There's a community of faith that loves one another, even though we're often very different from one another. So we started doing Bible study. We did Bible study, Bible study, Bible study. We did some prayer study. We did worship. And that was about it. That was, it was the basics. We're going to do Bible study, Bible study, prayer. We're going to learn how to prayer, and we're going to worship. And we did that for four years. And that fifth year, that church found its feet. They took off. They took off doing food ministry in that community. This is the oil patch. And they intuitively understand that in the oil patch, the richest guy in town has been flat busted at least once. And it wasn't his or her fault, right? It was the least cliquish place I've ever lived because they know that you can be a hard worker, you can do the right thing, you can be a good person, and oil goes to $8 a barrel and you lost everything. Or you can be a really awesome rancher and it's a three-year drought. And people just get down on their luck. And we don't have to judge or evaluate why. They just need help. They became a tree. They became a pro-life support center. They became a witness to the good news that you are important. That you do matter. And that you are loved even if the world keeps trying to tell you something different. Church, I know so many of you have a heart for Scripture. I know so many of you down at the Golden Hub and everything else. But maybe in this season of controversy and drought, we can immerse or re-immerse ourselves in the Word of the Lord so many good apps. There's so many online resources to help you do that. The church, your church, we try our best, but there's so many resources. Dive deep on the law of the Lord so that we together and each of us in our own way can be a tree 